So you actually have to ask yourself, how do these people who live thousands and thousands of kilometers away from the first police station or from the first court, how do they resolve their disputes? The condition of the esclaves are clear. Because an esclave travels with his master. He is not remunerated. He is not sponsored. He is not paid. Is this being a girl or a woman? If this is being a girl or a woman, then it's not for me. I'm not this girl they are talking about. I'm not this woman they are talking about. Welcome to Rule of Law Talk, a podcast series of the World Justice Project. Here we share the latest learning about the rule of law, what it is, how it works, how we can strengthen it. I'm Joe Haley, ACLS Mellon Public Fellow and Program Manager for the Rule of Law Solutions Initiative. In this podcast mini-series, I'll be sharing research about justice innovations around the world. We'll dive deep with justice champions in some of the most difficult environments for development and the rule of law. In this episode, I speak with Jangare Maiga, president of Femme et Droit Humain. A self-described unapologetic feminist working at the intersection of legal empowerment and access to justice, Ms. Maiga has devoted her professional life to promoting women's rights through reproductive and sexual health, women's political participation, abolishing female genital mutilation, and creating economic and educational opportunities for women. As you will hear, these themes have been reflected in her own biography. An early pioneer of gender equality in higher education, Ms. Maiga received a diploma in computer science, a technical university diploma in applied linguistics, and a university diploma in communication on human rights. Since 1996, she has played a leading role in numerous organizations focused on democratic governance and the political status of women in Africa. And she has received several international fellowships to study issues relating to women's participation and democratic governance. Our conversation focused on long-standing efforts by Femme Edouard Oumain to foster behavior change among communities in Mali. In contrast with recommendations that aim to stabilize the country by devolving justice to local authorities, Ms. Maiga emphasized the importance of productive struggle over the long term, including the need for women to challenge traditional gender norms in order to ensure equal access to justice for all, using the mechanisms of the international human rights framework. As you will hear, our unit of analysis moved upward from concrete examples of behavioral change in the classroom to a conversation about strategic actions that Malian women can take to claim their rights of inheritance and education, access to abortion, and fair justice under the law. Ultimately, we end with Ms. Maiega's reflections about the link between lasting peace and a nonviolent transformation of society. Our conversation began with Ms. Maiega explaining how she first became involved with the effort to expand access to justice for women. The first is that I was actually um, leading a literacy classes with a grassroots organization 
in villages. Mm -hmm. And then I discover many things about, you know, the socialization, what, what it means being a woman, a girl in some communities. So I began to, to ask myself some question. Why is it, why is it like this? Why those people think it should be like this for girls? Because in first, my mother was divorced since I was four years. Uh, my mother is Malenke and my father is Songwe. So very difficult for my father's family to accept my mother, right. you see. So this was actually a, a problem of diversity, I can say. So they were divorced because of that and my father refused to marry. So we were only two at home and uh, I was actually excellent in, in school. After every exam, we had some teachers, they will beat all the boys in the class because I was actually the, the, the first. Mm -hmm. They will beat all the boys. I don't like beating people, I don't like violence. So then one time I came home and I asked my, my dad, I said, why is it that a girl should not be the first in the class after examination? And he said to me, oh, who told you that? I said, our teacher, he always beat all the boys in the class after the exam. So he said, go and show them that a girl can. This is the only response he will tell me when I ask such a question. Go and show them that a girl can. So then I raised like this and in the secondary school there was this revolution 1991 and the, the school was closed and I have to go to uh, to learn uh, computer science because I was re I wanted to be a pilot yeah I wanted to be a pilot because I want to show to the men and the boys that a woman a woman or a girl can <laughs> so I wanted to be a pilot and uh, so I have to go for computer science because this was at a time where maybe we were two women in this school learning computer science. So I said, if I cannot be a pilot, then I can do something that's, that will show that there is no difference between girl and a uh, boy. So after the computer science, then I went to um, the Institute for Popular Education, where they give me the coordination for women's literacy classes. So I went there and I was hearing things and I was asking myself, is this being a girl or a woman? If this is being a girl or a woman, then it's not for me. I'm not this girl they are talking about. I'm not this woman they are talking about. So I try, I, I, I start asking myself and also I try to have responses to some question with the grassroots communities, the men and the women and the 
the village chief. So I, I try, you know, asking questions and having some responses. And finally, I said myself that those communities, they need a literacy classes that will tell them about how to live. So I said we should construct like a model in which those people will learn more than alphabet and counting and you know reading. Mm -hmm. They should learn about living, they should learn about the world mm -hmm. so that they can also uh, see another kind of doing things and this is how we started the organization. So from computer sciences, then I, be, I, become, <laughs> I become a, a woman human rights activist. Right. So in 2002, I got a scholarship with the People's Decade for Human Rights Education. They are based in New York. And I went to Senegal for two months training on human rights. And then I saw, I, it was like I have a tool now on which I can count in, you know, look, in fighting for justice, but especially for women and girls, so that women and girls are not like people think, but what they, they want to be. So this is how I start, and we start with creating the organization and the, I continue the training with the African Commission on Peoples and Human Rights. I had another scholarship for some some months also, and then I I, I tried to you know to to talk to many other women, African women, not only Malian, and uh, this is how I've been involved in gender issues because all the questions I were. I was actually asking were like gender issues. So, and then I discovered the socialization, the social relation, and the stereotypes, and all the privileges, and the discrimination, and exclusion, and all those things. And I also have a tool through which I can fight for those, those things, which is actually the human rights framework. So, then, um, um, I continue my learning. Sometimes I got scholarships, sometimes even if I have my money and I said I can go for the training, I will use my own money to go because you, all, you will always experience something. You will always hear something new if you are with women. Right. And no matter they are, you know, from this ethnic group or the others, there is all you will always learn something new about being women or being a girl, right. especially on sexual and reproductive, on um, you know marriages and on what else, and the participation in the community, you know. So and this is how I start, you know, this work on women's rights, and I'm a feminist without if or but. Because sometimes you may ask people, they say, oh yes, I'm feminist, but if it comes to uh, LGBTQ, 
I don't think I, I should. Or I'm a feminist, but if it comes to this issue, I don't think I will follow the full feminist. So I'm a feminist without if or but. Mm -hmm. I'm just a feminist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And a woman writer activist. Okay. Because I think that change is possible yes. and we can change the world. Because if you look at me, if you look at me, um, you will see Jingare. You will see Jingare Meiga, which means that I'm a Songhai. But if you go on my mother's side, you will see that I have Sarakulis in my lineage. I have Arabic people. I have Lemur. I also have um, Malinkis. On my father's side, you will also see that I'm not only Songwe, but I'm also Moorish or Arabic or, you know, Bambara. You, you see? So even in my person, I can see the, this diversity. And this is why I think that diversity, having this diversity could, should really tell people about justice. Because if you know that you, as a person, you are, you, you are a diversity, mm -hmm. then you can understand more yeah. how people react between yeah. them. As Ms. Maega's own story of achievement illustrates, one of the most powerful ways to further the cause of female empowerment is to expand educational opportunities for exceptional women who can then become leaders within their own communities. As she proceeded to describe historic transformations within the Malian education system, however, she also emphasized the importance of making small adjustments to the way children are socialized, which is to say, how they are taught to internalize gender norms and social expectations about the differing roles that society affords to girls and to boys. In elaborating this point, Ms. Maega switched into her native French. Et donc, j'ai vu aussi que dans l'éducation dans familiale, also in the society, there was an, in our education, there were specific roles for girls, specific roles for uh, boys in the society, even though sometimes girls did not want to play only this kind of roles, and sometimes also boys did not want to play only the, the roles for boys, even though also boys were in a privileged situation, sometimes they wanted to help the girls or the sisters. But the problem is they were not supposed to do because there was this divide in society that boys should do that, girls should do that. Donc c'est important que euh, on prenne vraiment en compte cette éducation, que ce soit dans la so famille, uh, that we are aware of the impact that this education can have on us. This education, be it in the family, be it on the street, be, be it somewhere at school, it is important that this education, to, to be aware that it has an impact on us. We're all born uh, as uh, children, but because of the education, we grow up as boys or girls. L'éducation a beaucoup changé au Mali. There is a, uh, an evolution. Before, when I was at the primary school, uh, 
the books that we had reflected exactly what was the division of task in society. Girls will be in the kitchen, girls will be uh, washing the dishes, girls will be washing the clothes, where girls will be cleaning the house. These kind of things that was in society that was also in the books. Uh, at the same time, boys were doing uh, other things. And this. Like watching the cars. Yeah, yes, washing, washing the cars. Yeah, or being uh, in sport with daddy. Doing sport. Yeah. Uh, Exactly, the, all, the same system was replicated in the classrooms where uh, girls were supposed to drink water uh, to fill uh, the, um, for drinking water at, in the classroom. Girls will be cleaning the classroom for everybody and at the same time boys will be only bringing water in order to clean the uh, school board. So that was reflected, the, the division of tasks in society were reflected in the classroom, in the, in the books and everything. But there is an evolution now because uh, the government has changed these books. There is a, a serious change now because uh, if you look at the division of tasks at schools, you will have see two groups. Uh, groups the, the students, the pupils will be divided in groups, and these uh, groups so there will be boys and girls, for example, for cleaning the classroom. Even though in reality, sometimes you will see that the boys will be doing different things than girls, but the thing that they are in the same group, boys in the, and girls in the same group for cleaning the classroom, that is inside a very big evolution. Ce que ça signifie pour la justice, c'est qu'il y a une équité. C'est une équité. Donc, c'est cette équité-là qui est pour moi la justice. So it means that also in justice there is equality. And this is this, this equality that for me is a real justice. The parable of boys and girls in the classroom illustrates a truism. There can be no real justice, no equal access to opportunities the law provides, until public institutions treat all genders the same. Yet Ms. Maiga continued to illustrate how this general principle has specific implications for policies aiming to expand access to civil justice in the Sahel. No matter how equal women may be according to the letter of the law, the practical ability to exercise their rights will depend upon what they have come to believe and to expect regarding their place in society. Ultimately, gender norms will determine both the rules of society and the manner in which those rules are applied. Les règles, les droits viennent des règles et des règlements qu'on se fixe entre nous dans la communauté. The rights come from the rules and the regulations that are uh, implemented in society. So if uh, we uh, accept, we decide that the girls do have these roles in society and boys have this role in society, that is so in the society. And that is uh, something also that will uh, be reflected in decision making of, uh, for in, uh, by the decision makers when they decide 
the same thing, it won't be a problem because that is what exists already in uh, society. Le peuple malien a besoin d'être informé. Malian people need to be informed, educated about human rights, to claim. Malian people need to claim their rights. That is the only way that we can achieve the kind of justice that we are looking for. Why are there too many suspended decisions? That is uh, how the social contract wants it to be. Si nous acceptons que la fille doit être dans cette position et les garçons dans l'autre position. If you look at uh, the position of uh, a girl in, in the family, the division of uh, tasks, the position of the girl, that will reflect in her position, that will reflect in her marriage, in her couple, that will reflect in the service while she's eventually working. So in the case, for example, that she has a problem with a man, and she tried to complain about it to uh, somebody else, that person will tell him, okay, look, you know, it is a man, you know, and uh, he's very powerful, it is his position, it is a man, he's uh, older than you, so you better accept it, otherwise that will have consequences on your marriage, that will have consequences on your position, that will have consequences on, uh, on other things, on your children, for example. And if you look at the situations, uh, uh, we, we want women to accept in 99% of the cases because uh, they, uh, if they don't accept, they will not be able to keep the children. And what we tell them, what the society tells them is that if you leave your children because you don't accept this kind of situation, that is exactly the same thing that they are going to suffer that you left because you didn't want to accept. So leaving your children, it's just leaving them do the things that you don't want to accept. Suffer, be victim of the same things that you don't want to accept. So what I... I I really wanted to say is that they will always make comparison based on the age, on the sex, on the position. And finally, even if you want to access to justice, you don't see what's written on the paper because of the, 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 le poids. The weight. the weight of the social contract on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Très, ça veut dire c'est très rare pour une femme d'aller à la justice avant de dépasser toutes ces, ces étapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is very rare that uh, women who go to justice before going all to these social processes. Yeah. Social pressure is such a burden on women that only 3% of women will go beyond these social processes to go and access uh, justice. Generally, it is in the case of women who have made uh, very advanced studies. But there are also women who have done uh, advanced studies but who just accept, accept the statical. In uh, most cases, even the state representatives will tell the woman accept to accept.
comme c'est le cas du code de la famille. That is uh, just like the case of the family code. Um, this is a family code that uh, that went through as, uh, the National Assembly in the year uh, 2000 something. 2009. 2009. Uh, it was very progressive because uh, it took into account the rights of women and uh, all these uh, modern issues of uh, human rights and the right of women. It has passed the National Assembly. But uh, religious leaders, religious movements start uh, to, uh, to make uh, demonstrations to put pressure on the government. And the president himself uh, went on national television to ask women, please, please, for the peace of the country, accept that this uh, text, uh, this law is reviewed. The 2009 Amendment to Mali's Family Code, which passed but was returned to Parliament following widespread protests, raises a fundamental question about the social construction of law. On paper, the government of Mali is committed to secular principles of laïcité, or separation of church and state, as well as the promotion of international norms regarding human rights and the equality of women. Yet in practice, these commitments may be hostage to a political crisis, wherein religious authorities have powerfully contested the authority of the state. This example raises difficult questions about whether parts of Mali may be locked in a zero-sum competition between the right to peaceful self-determination and the right of women to enjoy equal protection under the law. Et c'est ce que nous vivons, c'est l'islam politique. Et depuis 2009, c'est la situation que nous vivons. It is, uh, that's what we're living in now, this political Islam. Mm -hmm. And since uh, 2009 or 12, mm -hmm. nine, it is the situation that we're living in. Because whenever there is something uh, for the rights of women, the religious leader will start to make pressure and, uh, and there are meetings to review the situation. They will take the thematic for the, the Friday preach, c'est ça? And then they will discuss the issue. Then the government have to, doit les écouter. Actually, the government is weak. Et les violences sexuelles dans les conflits Sur la base de, de la CPI. If you look at uh, the situation uh, in, during the crisis, there were uh, many cases of rape. And Mali is a member of uh, the Hague uh, criminal justice uh, system. International in, in criminal. criminal justice of the Hague. But in order to avoid uh, that, uh, they have uh, uh, um, created a law that is called uh, Loi d'Entente. What that does is actually asking women to please forgive, please accept this, yeah. what has happened, uh, the rape and uh, all these things, and, uh, and to forgive. But uh, she thinks that uh, actually no matter in front of which kind of justice, 
is it official justice is it traditional justice is it religious transitional. if transitional justice if there is no there is no uh, peace if justice is not served if there is no justice there is no peace and in mali uh, the dignity of woman according to our education is linked to her body is linked to her sex if this body and the sex uh, uh, is victim of a violence that means there is something done to the dignity of the woman and that dignity uh, should that it should be uh, a punishment there should be some justice when that uh, dignity is violated if there is no justice to that you cannot hope to achieve peace no peace without justice this refrain which has echoed across the world in recent months reverses the political argument here espoused by the national government in its detente with insurgent groups that victims should accept impunity for war crimes committed during the national crisis in the name of a brokered peace settlement in reply Ms. Maega points out that lasting peace requires justice because gender-based violence represents a violation of a woman's dignity, a violation which in Malian culture demands a response from her community. This reversal echoed a similar statement I had heard in regards to slavery. There can be no lasting peace in the Sahel until slavery has been abolished, another interviewee told me, because enslavement breeds resentment among the victim's family and ethnic community. Given these political realities, I wondered, can there be a durable solution for the women of Mali? As I said, we need to be informed, we need to be educated to claim our rights. So I said uh, information, I said education. By education, I mean that um, women should be informed about the whole procedure of the justice system that they should know that if it does not work at one instance, they should they can appeal to another instance. For example, it does not work, they can go to the Court of Appeal, it does not work, they can go to the Supreme Court, it does not work, they can go to the African Court of Justice, it does not work, they can go to the United Nations. Women should know that there is a process, that there is a procedure, and that it costs time, and that you should not uh, you should be informed about the time that it will take and if you stop in the middle because you don't have time you might not like the result that you get so it's important to know about the time to, to know the process to know where you can go in order to achieve your goals and the cost and the cost and uh, yes you have to know also the costs important que les femmes s'approprient les outils que l'État a ratifiés en leur nom et de pouvoir It is also important that women are aware of the tools that they have in hands, that they are aware of all these organizations, conventions, agreements, international agreements that the state has signed for them or on behalf of, uh, of, uh, of them and that they are able to compare the national laws 
to these uh, conventions that the, uh, the country has signed and to see in cases where the national law goes against the conventions that, they, uh, that has been signed. They should be aware of that and they should be aware to be able to uh, use this information. Training for the agents for the implementation of this uh, you know, is important. I like the idea of Malian women having been equipped and ennobled by knowledge of their rights under international law, rising up to challenge their unequal treatment before an international tribunal in The Hague. Nevertheless, as I reflected on the social and political conditions of the country, the large swaths of territory too dangerous for judges to visit, the extreme levels of poverty and inequality throughout Malian society, I wondered if it would not be more practical, indeed necessary, for ordinary Malians to pursue more expedient routes to justice within their own communities. What about customary tribunals and other informal mechanisms for resolving local disputes? J'ai des problèmes avec l'utilisation de, de la justice traditionnelle. I have the problems with the use of traditional justice because they will always uh, proceed in the sense of uh, society. And that is not a, a situation that will go in the profit of the woman, in the benefit of women. So I have a problem with traditional justice, with the justice of Cadiz, because I'm afraid that they will do it in a situation that is not uh, in favor and the benefit of women. If you take, for example, uh, um, a situation whereby a woman uh, wants to inherit the land of her deceased husband, um, normally there is no law in Mali that forbids a woman to have access to land, to buy land or to have to be uh, owner of uh, uh, of land. But if she wants to do that situation, that uh, kind of thing, in a traditional society. It depends which traditional justice system it will be. They might say in their region, because traditional Mali is very diverse, maybe in this part where the woman is living, it is forbidden for a woman to, be, to possess land. So that is what they will take into account, not the national law that says that woman has right to possess land. That's why she thinks that uh, traditional justice, justice of Cadiz, is not always in favor of women. Yeah. It may be the reflect of the socialization. Right. Yeah, or they, they may be based on old interpretations. Right. Yeah which does not take into account the context. In a 2015 peace agreement, the government of Mali empowered the Qadi, or traditional Islamic jurists, to resolve disputes over land, a commitment reiterated in a 2017 reconciliation conference. Yet while customary justice may be an important policy tool for restoring peace and expanding access to justice in the rest of North, the official recognition of informal rulings must be sensitive to local context and the rights of women. This point echoes research conducted by the Conflict Research Unit at Klingendale 
an independent think tank housed within the Netherlands Institute of International Relations, which has interviewed local Malians to map their confidence in traditional justice authorities. In general, researchers found, Malians prefer customary justice to the formal court system. However, there were significant reservations about empowering customary leaders to adjudicate serious criminal misconduct or cases involving vulnerable groups, including women. Ms. Maiga suggested that paralegals can play an important role in harmonizing Mali's formal and informal systems of justice, which is a topic I will return to in a subsequent podcast. However, she emphasized that equal access to justice would be possible for Malian women only if they organize themselves into a coherent political movement. C'est possible. C'est possible. Si nous, orga- si nous arrivons à nous organiser. Yes, it is possible. Mm-hmm. If we, achieve, we, we manage to organize ourselves. If we create our voice and we try to make our voice heard, it is possible. Quand on prend par exemple le cas de l'esclavage, ce qu'on ne leur permet même pas de, de se voir. If you take the case of uh, slavery, we don't they're not allowed even to see each other. So if they cannot see each other, that means that they cannot organize themselves. There are some people who are happy in the situation and that other people that are not happy in the situation. That is exactly like in the situation of women, women rights, women rights. There are women who think that they have never had uh, problems of rights. Uh, but uh, these same women live this kind of pro- in this kind of problems every day and even every minute. And on the other side, there are women like us, feminists and uh, activists, who see this woman in her situation, but who need a strategy in order to talk to that woman to explain to her her situation and to convince her to join us to organize in order to fight against her situation. Il faut changer les mentalités. Pas seulement les mentalités, mais les pratiques. No, not only the mentalities, but also the practices. Yeah, you can see that people are, have good ideas and are good-minded. In the practice, in their families, it is totally different. You cannot want one thing and it's uh, and do the contrary. You cannot be an activist, you cannot fight for uh, the rights of women, and at the same time, you, at your own, own home, you have uh, uh, an assistant, a woman assistant, who is a uh, minor, who does not have 18 years old, and who works from dawn until uh, uh, late in the night, who has no time to rest and this kind of things. You cannot fight for the right of women and accept these kind of things in your own family. Our conversation concluded with Ms. Maega reflecting on the rights of women in the context of an international military intervention led by French troops with support from the United Nations and the economic community of West African states which has a mandate to defeat Islamic groups and restore order in the Sahel. What does the war portend for women's access to justice in Mali? On ne résout pas une situation de violence par une violence. Si tu penses que les femmes sont violentées, 
You cannot solve a violent situation with violence. So if you want to solve the situation of fam a woman being victim of violence by killing or by putting another kind of violence on man and the woman, you're not going to solve the problem. You're going to make it worse. You cannot solve a, a situation of injustice with a, a, an action of injustice. For example, women are refused to access to just to education. So at the same time, you say there is a woman don't have access to education. That is violence against them. And you come, you, it's not in your country, you come to another country with weapons and you want to use these weapons in order to solve this uh, situation. Il ne peut y avoir de paix sans justice. Une justice durable, sans une paix de l'esprit des de personnes, mais aussi de, de l'État. There is no peace without justice. And you can have only lasting peace with justice in the spirit of the people and of the state. All these organizations from the United Nations, they have the mandate and they have presented that mandate to the president who was elected and he elected, he is elected, he accepted, he accepted on behalf of all the citizens. Et dans l'autre main, on a décidé qu'il est impossible de faire la différence entre les islamistes et les maliens. Il y a beaucoup de maliens qui ont rejoint les islamistes. Il y a beaucoup de bocorans qui sont maliens. Acme, il y a des maliens. Pour que il y ait un accord de paix, l'État était tellement dans une position position faible qu'il devait accepter les choses. So there was a lot of pressure on the Malian state in order to accept so that there, there were a ceasefire. And uh, we were in a very weak position. The state, the military, the weapons, we were in a very bad position. In a very weak position. Very weak position. So then sometimes you just accept something because you think this will, you you will be able to change after, but when will be after? This question, when will be after, reflects the sobering fact that for Mali, like many fragile states, lasting peace will be impossible until the underlying structural needs of the people have been met. Maintenant, on est en train de dire qu'on est en train de travailler sur la sécurité. Now we, would, uh, we say we're working on security. So we're talking about uh, security, but at the same time there are people who did not have uh, the possibility to grow the crops on their lands. And there are a lot of people who do not have access to education because uh, more than uh, 1,000 schools are closed. Most, uh, many people don't have access to health. The administration is not uh, present, so there are a lot of problems. So there will be uh, food insecurity. We are sure of that. So if the World Bank was to suppose to invest in, uh, in food security, how much will be our debt? So we'll end up with a debt that we will not even be able to support uh, 
buying weapons. And uh, there are these people who did not produce anything. There are also a lot of people who come and who put pressure on the food that uh, exists and the poor people will end up being unable to buy millet or, or rice. Yes. We're fighting for security of people while we, we're unable to provide them security, uh, food security. It's about development. So what kind of development are we designing for these people? So when they cannot produce anything, that they cannot... They cannot take care of the cattle, the family chief is killed, the young people have left. The situation is very much complicated. So the question is, do we have to take debt in order to invest in weapons? I don't think so. I think it's uh, important to invest money in the uh, empowerment and security of these people. Still, Ms. Maiga takes the long view. She has seen tremendous progress for women in Mali and across the continent of Africa over a lifetime of development work. This gives her hope for the future of women in her own country. Her closing message is therefore addressed to the young women who will be the future of the movement to build equal access to justice in the Sahel. It's a long, yeah, it's a long process. Je leur dirais d'être des modèles, d'être citoyen malien, d'aimer son sa patrie. I would tell them to be examples, to be malian citizens, to love their country. Because when you like something, you're ready to make sacrifice so that it is a space where you can live in freedom. I would ask them to be examples, role models, mm -hmm. that they trust themselves, that they have self-confidence. So it's possible to change. <laughs> Rule of Law Talk is a production of the World Justice Project. This episode on access to civil justice in the Sahel has been part of the Rule of Law Solutions Initiative, a storytelling program for sharing effective approaches to strengthening the rule of law worldwide. Rule of Law Solutions is a registered acceleration action for UN Sustainable Development Goal 16.3 which aims to promote the rule of law at the national and international levels and ensure equal access to justice for all. Please tune in to our next episode, where I speak with Tomi Lola Adejana, social entrepreneur and founder of the tech startup Bankly, about how she is leveraging traditional savings networks to bring financial services to Nigeria's last mile. The Rule of Law Solutions Initiative is made possible by the American Council of Learned Societies and the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. Additional support for access to civil justice in the Sahel has been provided by the Knowledge Management Fund, a program of the Knowledge Management Platform Security and the Rule of Law at the Klingendale Institute for International Relations, Netherlands. Special thanks to Jangare Maiga for her participation in this recording. Additional sounds provided by Jordan Powell under Creative Commons non-commercial license. I'm Joe Haley. Thank you for listening. <laughs>